you know, and I think people were afraid, you know, in, in tough times to reinvest in their businesses. I think that's something that I was able to do is compartmentalize it and go, what do I need to go to move forward? Yeah. You know, and maybe I was lucky and was a little bit of a risk taker and doing that when on all those uncertain times. But I think a lot of times when things aren't good is a good time to be doing stuff. And then when things are good is a good right. time to be collecting, right? Because yeah. it's hard to do those other things when you're at capacity or you're doing them. Um, don't be afraid to make changes. Don't be afraid to be different. That's kind of what we try to do is we don't want to be like every other bowling facility or recreational facility around our area. Mm -hmm. We just try to do the best we can and give them the good experiences. Cool. Thanks so much Jeff, for coming on today, Justin. I'm looking forward to this conversation. So for people who have not had the pleasure of meeting you, tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, your center, a little bit about your background. All right. I'm Justin Studer. We own a 27 lane facility now in Burley, Idaho. It's called Snake River Bowl. We're big into the food side of business as well. Small, definitely small market size center. We're in a town of 13,000 people. And then there's, we probably service about 25 to 30,000 people in a 25 mile radius of our center, kind of a addressable market. We do happen to reach beyond that a little bit just because of some stuff we do. My father opened the business. He got into the business back in, just about when I was born. He bought a 12 lane center in Rupert, which is a small community next to us. And then in 2000, he went into partners with another bowling facility in a town and they opened up the bigger center with 27 lanes in 2000. Of course, after that, you know, we had all of our economy issues in 08, 09. I graduated high school in 04, came back to work, went to college for one year, decided that really wasn't for me. I knew what, kind of what I wanted to do. Kind of, I knew how to work QuickBooks and that kind of stuff. So that was good enough for me right. for what I wanted to do. Yeah. Came back to town and started working for my father. You know how that goes. <laughs> you're underpaid and mm -hmm. right. <laughs> you're working your way up through the chain and trying to do things the right way. And mm -hmm around a little bit and then kind of got serious about it i don't know probably around 09 010 and then we did some improvements we added the restaurant and stuff we had a domino's go out of business in town in 2008 like during the whole recession thing yeah so we were able to buy like all their pizza equipment for i think my dad paid ten thousand dollars for it oh wow <laughs> that's a deal I, I remember my dad at that point we were he came to me and said we gotta learn how to make pizza i'm like all right why well, like we just bought Domino's, all their equipment. That's a big oven. It's a lot of pizza. And luckily, we were yeah. lucky we had quite a bit of space in the bowling area, in the bowling yeah. alley, that we can kind of manipulate and make the kitchen larger to do things like that. Mm -hmm. So we've kind of been fortunate. It was kind of a good decision. I think once my dad had talked to me about it, we decided to move forward with doing that way. And then, you know, the evolution of learning how to make pizzas and stuff. And, you know, when we started, we were like everybody else. I think we had frozen crust and frozen dough balls and, you know, just whatever Cisco would bring us. Right. And then after a few years in the business, the pizza was okay. It was a good, but it's like, well, we have all this space and room to grow and capacity because of the ovens we had. And it's, it's gotta be more than just a service. And then we're, you know, obviously we're searching hard after 0809 to try to find different revenue streams, just to stay alive. You know, it's as a, yeah. being a small community, a 27 lane center with, 30,000 people. It's pretty ridiculous. Right. It's a lot of overhead. <laughs> it's a, a very large facility for what we actually need. Right. You know, most people, your 12 lane center would probably be good enough yeah. for situations. And, you know, there's benefits to having the space. But so, you know, us, I think 08 and 08, a 20 lane facility, I think we did 
maybe $300,000 in revenue, which was tough. And I don't even know how we stayed alive. You know, we had yeah just mortgage payments overhead. I think at that point, you know, like $10,000. And it's hard to look back at it and see kind of where we were at. And, you know, it's when I say some stuff that have happened since then, the only reason we're at where we are today is because my father's ability to get through those times. Uh, I was an employee, you know, I was, wasn't making a ton of money at that point, but I was also an employee, right? So I wasn't the one making financial decisions to kind of get us through that crazy time. So yeah. luckily it got us to where we got through that. And then business started getting a little better. We bought the, I bought the business seven years ago now, I think mm. it was 2016. And it was the point where it was at least paying for itself, you know, and I had, I had a lot of ideas that I wanted to do and, you know, but a part of me wanting to do them is I was going to take, I wanted the risk to be on me. Right. And I think my yeah. father being through 2008, didn't want to see the business kind of change in mode because it's finally the point where he's making payments. He's mm. actually writing himself a paycheck, right? you know, after how many years of dealing with everything. And I we're far from the only ones that had to go through that stage in 07, 08. Yeah. And then the business model changed. You know, and so being in a small community, we just kind of, we kept, I took the pizza and we really pushed hard on redoing the, making everything from scratch and making it good and messing around with recipes and actually learning how to do it the right way. Yeah. Right. You know, and it's just a different quality when you get stuff that way, you know, premium toppings, obviously you do everything you can in house, but some stuff, it doesn't make sense to do in house, but you know, we make our own dough, we do our own sauce. We do. How difficult was the trans? Was that like transitioning to that? Is there a lot of what keeps other people from doing that? It's just hard to get into it, or the infrastructure you need and the space it takes, right? So I've talked to a few other proprietors that you know big pizza stuff, and the biggest thing for me is we got to the point where the frozen dough balls, even though the quality were pretty, the cost structure of it didn't make sense at that point. Mm. You know, yeah. so like even back in you know seven years ago, you're getting a good quality frozen dough ball from Riches or somebody like that. And you're paying a dollar fifty a dough ball or something. Well, I can make mm -hmm. it myself and better for yep. thirty cents or seventeen right. cents. You know, back yeah. then it was like seventeen cents. Now it's you know, we're probably closer to fifty or sixty cents. But still, it's crazy the amount of savings you get. Plus, the quality is a lot better. Right. So you know, it's just like we we had to change our model, and so that was kind of how we used that, and then we leveraged everything else, and you know, we'll discuss kind of how the process of it was because. Everything was just a reinvestment into the business for probably until last year. It was the first year we actually hmm. were time to maybe show a profit, you yeah. know? Um, if, yeah. But so we, we took the dough and we learned how to make the dough and we learned how to make the sauce better. And then, you know, we started shredding our own cheese. We get the block cheese and shred it. So it's super moist and just made a big difference to the quality product. Yeah. And just doing everything we can as far as that goes, you know? And so, and then we started, we offered delivery. So we started delivering pizzas. Okay. Uh, most bowling centers, umbrella policies are big enough. That can kind of slide under the scope of what you do without creating a whole lot of extra expense. Sure. So that was kind of a cool thing that we found out. Interesting. Um, yeah. So it wasn't a big deal for us to offer deliveries. You know, I mean, it was having a person when we started as having a person available. Yeah. You know, doing four or five deliveries a day, maybe just to have the option. And even those for that first year was probably just me or my running a pizza somewhere in town. Right yeah uh, you know the now where we have two or three delivery drivers on friday and saturdays and, wow you know and we're running at least two at nights and at least one all during the day and yeah it's good plus that doesn't mean that we don't have extra people we just 
we'll borrow somebody from the kitchen staff to run a pizza if we need to but okay. yeah it's been really good so yeah that's evolution there and then obviously as the food sales started going up we took those invested in we started working on the game room and stuff the game room was actually we started that a little bit before 06 so we bought some my wife said we needed to do it and i should have listened to her earlier yeah we bought some old cheap remember the token games you know okay yeah have all the crazy mechanisms and shit that i couldn't fix part of my friend <laughs> but stuff that i could not fix but it worked i mean you could just see the just the fact they could get prizes and stuff and then We've kind of snowballed it now, you know, and just keep reinvesting and buying stuff. We're going to do another remodel of our game room this summer, make it as big as we can for the space we have. Okay. Move our prize counter and a few things. But, you know, I think now we have about 25 or 30 games. Everything's paid for. They're all nice and new and no operator. And, you know, no operator. It's okay. Everything's nice. Yeah, up. that's and the way to go. It, and it's been a seven or eight year, you know, process to get to that point. Yeah. And it's just basically we, you know, for us, we just, Everything extra we made just kind of went back in, you know, but yeah, it's been real good. It's been a process. And then a year and a half ago, right before COVID hit, we were planning on doing a VIP room on the low side. Playing. Obviously our leagues were actually starting to grow and I was a little worried because we've always been somewhere where you could almost always get a lane because we had so many lanes, yeah. right? But I wanted to be able to address both markets. Like I wanted to keep my league bowlers happy, but I wanted something that is a facility we could use for a open play on weekdays and corporate events and stuff. Yeah. And part of it, when we did the remodel, the biggest driver of is I wanted a restaurant area, seating area. So we had to remodel so we could shrink down the VIP section. So we could put the restaurant behind the VIP lanes. And okay. so that VIP lanes were kind of a biker. So trying to create more dining room space and event space for the restaurant. And the revenue actually comes more from the VIP side. The, re the restaurant and the, the bar section do pretty good. They do really good. But those VIP lanes have been an incredible piece for us. And it's just perfect timing with everything going on in the world as far as that goes, I think. Yeah. And how big of a, an investment is that? Because I've seen a couple of different people do that. And they seem to do really well. How much, you know, is someone looking at to put one of those in? It depends. It's obviously a little bit more money now. We kind of timed it. Okay. I thought we were expensive when we got it. But if we're going to try to do something like that again, it'd be a lot more. Yeah. I want to say my total investment was about probably, and you got to realize like a lot of it is, was extra stuff. Like we kind of, we probably about a half a million dollars time we were oh, wow. done, but we did yeah. a big build out. I mean, it wasn't just put a wall down the lane. Okay. And we had to remove cause we had drop ceiling in the back. So we wanted to open it all up. So we had to remove all the drop ceiling and then reroute I some HVAC and reroute yeah. some electricity. And we put a wall down lane eight. So we lost the lane. You know, then obviously we went in and we did the, like the DFX lighting and stuff in that, yeah. that room. So you can do the color change lighting and, you know, the projector systems. I didn't want to, it always bothered me when we went to these nice, huge facilities, but the projector screens were dull because the bulbs weren't changed or they weren't yeah. whatever. That drives me nuts. <laughs> you know, now they have the media masks, you know, we were looking at those, but when I was doing that two years ago, it's like the only spot I could find them was China. And you okay. know what that was like. Right. So it's like, yeah, we're not going to do that. So we just did, we got basically there were like 9,000 lumen projectors or more expensive oh, uh, yeah. laser projectors, but you wouldn't know they're projectors outside of seeing the box hanging from the ceiling. Right. We just tried to do everything the nice and so it would just last and did the new couches, the new seating. And so our, our other side just has the regular tables and chairs and the, okay. the VIPs, the couches kind of, so it gives it a different environment. 
yeah, yeah it's, it's just a theme a, that you guys do it all the way out you know whenever yeah. it is if it's pizza the vip room you guys really do it all the way and i think that's important and i've kind of noticed and i don't know if it's when i go visit businesses it's always what's the best of the breed that you're going to go if i'm going to go to let's say a restaurant right or even if it's chilies or applebee's like in our area all the applebee's are new and updated and they've actually done some work to the outside of the facility to make mm -hmm. them look a lot of the chilies and stuff have kind of lacked behind, you know? And so it's like, where am I going to go? It's like, you're going to go to the one that's the nicest and they take care of stuff and, it, you know, yeah. and modern and different. And we just want to be different, you know, and that's us. And, you know, even different in our small community, you know, because it's, we got to stand out. We're not right. right on the main drag. We're kind of a block off. So like a big thing for us has always been top of mind awareness and just make people experience it. And the more pictures that they take and put online and the more, yeah positive stuff and things like that it's just that's kind of how our stuff goes you know but then the other good side about doing the splitting it up and doing a vip and the other is i have 20 lanes that i can dedicate to our league play which yeah. in a small small environment small center place you know on weekdays monday through thursday i mean if they if those guys weren't there, you know we it'd be pretty hard to fill those lanes with anything else you know and we love our league bowlers and tournament bowlers and yeah, so we can kind of scratch both itches, I guess you can say. And it's been an environment. Some people don't like change, but that's how it always goes. But it's been right. very rewarding. Yeah, now, how, did you, how do the two play together? I mean, obviously, most centers have some kind of a food and beverage office offering, but not to the degree that you guys have like the full pizza. I mean, is it something where you get more food and beverage because it's a higher quality? Or what, is, what does that look like for the crossbreed between the two? Because it sounds like your food offering could almost stand alone on itself versus Good. the two just kind of being it could so our food and beverage is 56 percent of our revenue i think something like that yeah uh, you know i was looking at them but it's pretty amazing from where we came from you know i think right. i look back in when i bought the center in 16 you know we were at total revenue you know just right around you know under five hundred thousand, which i think is pretty normal for a yeah 20, centers. 20 lanes facility in a smaller town you know and yeah. It was profitable. You know, we had, I think at that point we had 13 employees and, you know, and only four of them were full-time and two of them were me and my dad. And, right. You know, it was like, so you could, you were stretched thin. And the problem with that is we were always stuck in the business. We can never yeah. look at it from like a different level and a view and, and doing projects like I have going on. Like I've been on the phone for two hours, say talking to contractors and right. trying to get different things lined up. And, you know, I'm in, a town 40 miles away picking up stuff from food service sucking you in the parking lot of costco and you know it's like right all kind of stuff i mean it's just i can't do all the higher levels not that running the costco's high level stuff but it's i'm not stuck in the four walls of the business trying to make it operate yeah and that's made the biggest difference for me is because i can push buttons and i can see the reward from it without having to get stuck behind it now last year was a nightmare for everybody basically our business doubled after we did the remodel sounds like a nightmare <laughs> yeah it was you know you're when you're going up 80 90 100 percent right over a month you know and then it's and then we had the fact that we had hiring problems and it's not so i just couldn't find the right people to fill i could find bodies but they were never yeah. the right people i could just let them go and run it and not feel like yeah. i need to be there Especially when your first year you're opening up, you want everything to go a certain way. It's like, 
I saw my yeah. old corporate parties to go and everything else. So, you know, last year it was 80, 90 hours a week, still inside the four walls. But I think that's just more getting it off the ground and getting the right okay. people in place. Yeah, training you know, them. Exactly. Three years ago, I had zero managers and it was just myself. And my wife teaches school, so she's never really in the business on a day-to-day -day basis. Right. So it's just myself and I did all the book work and I did the league books and I did, you know, just the common small center thing. Yeah. And looking at it today, and then my dad did most of the mechanic work. Plus, you know, we were taking up a few shifts behind the front counters and everything else. And which, you know, now I finally have someone in place. My dad's training to do the, he does our mechanic work. Plus he does a little bit of pro shop work for us. Yeah. And then I have Ryan who's a general manager for us. And then I have Rhiannon who does all of our party works and party schedule, not party works, but party scheduling and a lot of this work scheduling and day-to-day -day stuff like managing people and things that I don't have to do anymore, which has been tremendous. So yeah. yeah. So luckily everything kind of worked out. What do you think the key was to getting, because I mean, I talk to proprietors every day and a lot of them seem to be in that position you were originally where they're stuck in the business. What do you think the key was to kind of getting your head above the clouds or being able to see, you know, to back out of that a little bit? For me, it was once you find somebody that doesn't suck and they do, I mean, we've been, I think last year, it's like I said, when I picked it up, we had maybe 13 employees and I have 43 employees. Wow. And yeah. I think 16 of them are full-time. Wow. But like when they come on, if they're good, like you just got to pay them. I mean, it sucks, yeah. but I look at the quality, you know, and we're in a state where minimum wage is still 720, but you're not paying that. Right. So yeah, even a high school kid, I'm, you know, I might be able to get a high school, part-time high school kid for $9 an hour or whatever, but I'm paying them. Hopefully they're like bowling and half the reason they're working for us is because they want to go bowl and yeah. do that stuff. And they just like being in the environment. And then, but if any of my full-time help and stuff, I mean, they're, if they're worth something, they're, they can, they're making something that where they can afford to live. That's a one, one job. I think that's the biggest yeah. thing. You got to find, if you find the good people, you got to make it so they're comfortable working one job. I so see. if you're scheduling them for 40 hours a week, if for some reason, somebody else does not show up for a shift, it's not the end of the world if they stay two more hours. We try to avoid that all we can. Yeah. You don't want to fry them out and burn them out. Yeah. Burn out yep. just because we didn't have the right people yet. It was just the fact of weeding through people to find the right people that, you know, like your process and like your family that you're in and like the environment. Right. And, you know, bowlers are a different breed. League bowlers are. And sure. learn how to deal with them the right way and, you know, and can have those conversations. But once you find those and you get those in place, you give them something that it's worth sticking around for where they're not looking for other jobs. and Right. You know, finding and developing career positions for people is what we've discussed is yeah. it's made a big difference because if it's a career for somebody, and I probably have three positions, what I would call it's career money, where they're making something that if they had a four-year college degree, that they would probably be starting out less than what they're making. Yeah. You know, if you're a teacher or something like that, that's a good example, but that's where they're at, you know, so where it's comparable more than what they would make, but obviously we don't have quite the benefit package, but we do offer retirement, a few things like that. We've tried oh, to wow. get active on those things Yeah, to try to make people stick. And then, yeah, been, our main, our management staff has been, most of our main people have been over there over a year now since we've done the remodel and all of my management has stuck around. That part's been really good. So 
we've been lucky to do stuff right that way. Yeah, it costs a little bit more money, but you know, if it's, you see someone working full time and they're good at what they do, they're well worth the price difference between what you would be paying someone that you're trading constantly or right. can't make a decision on their own. Yeah. That's the thing I found is if somebody can come in to your establishment and work for you and they're not afraid to make a decision, that's always a good start. You know, they don't need right. to ask for everything. They might not always be right. And, but you, when you give them that leeway, you kind of have to let them be wrong sometimes. Yeah. It's a good like, point. Yeah. I have your back, you know, but you know, this is how I would have done it, but you have the right ra- You have the realm to make a decision. Yeah. You know? Right. Kind of empowering them to make that. Yeah, right. You have to, because they need yeah. to feel like the business is as much theirs as it is yours, even though they right. might not see the gross, the net number at the end of the year. Right. You know, but the fact that, you know, if they have a really good year, they might say, oh, I have a bonus coming or I have this yeah. coming. Or, you know, just the fact that when they're not there, maybe it's not when they're clocked out. It's not necessarily a bad thing if they think about the business every now and then to make sure everything's going mm-hmm. on. Finding that buy-in. What's going on in the business when you're not there, right? So it's been good. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, in the beginning, you mentioned how you reinvested a lot into the center, you know, games and the remodeling. So it sounds like the next logical step was to re- reinvest in the people, pay a little more, get the higher quality caliber people. It comes to a point where only when you're, growing and you're doing things you got to reinvest in things right so for me everything extra because i know and i don't know if it's right or wrong but i've never worried about the net number at the end of the year i've always been the guy that's how do we keep growing the gross because the higher that gross number is it just increases your baseline so the next time we do have a recession or something goes awry or whatever you know the higher that gross number is the higher that baseline is. And so the easy, you know, you already get through it. Right. Yeah. And so that's kind of always been the key for me is grow the gross first and then worry about the net later, you know, and you know, as long as you're paying your bills and stuff, sure. Yeah. Kind of what it's been. And, you know, and it's like I said, this last year, we kind of flipped the switch where we're kind of got all the big giant projects out of the way. And, you know, then you could finally see the rewards on the net side, but yeah, yeah it, it's been fantastic. Yeah, I mean, that's, it reminds me of Bezos and Amazon. That was his goal, you know, just reinvest for 20 years. And then one day you turn on the spigot and you're printing money. You know, you're one of the most highly valued companies in the world. Yeah, it's just, you just, I don't know. People that, businesses that are stagnant don't constantly change. And it's not that I'm going to stop reinvesting. Luckily, sooner or later, the gross out in, outpaces your reinvestment into your facility. Yeah. It's, anyways if you keep doing what you're supposed to do right yeah as long as you're reinvested in smart things we're finally into that point where it's you know it's we got we still kind of have it's like anybody else when you start doing these remodel projects my budget's this by the time you're done you're we don't need all those decorations on the wall and we don't need all you know so now it's like i'm going back around and you know it's okay we got to put something on the wall that makes it look good yeah (laughs) it's a big (laughs) gray wall right now i mean it looks great but it needs to be better than what it is and Sure. A few things like that, just kind of finishing touches that, like yeah. when you do a project, you're like, oh, we're going to trim back this part of the budget and this part of the budget because it never goes, yeah. never goes as planned. And I found that people respond better if you can drip out some of the changes, especially the visible changes. Yeah. You do it all in one lump and then they don't see anything done for a long time. They feel like you're not reinvesting. Yeah. Even if it's something small like those decorations, your customers see those changes. They're like, wow, you know, they're putting money back into it. Yep, there's something they're making changes. They just yeah, 
they, they care. Come in, if they come in a year later, you don't want it to look the same as it was right last time they were there. It yeah, might be exactly. putting paint on the wall. Yeah. Or Small something things. like that. You know, yeah, it's furniture. Just, right. It's just yeah, something. It's, you know, it's just it making out. changes and doing little things and just trying to keep everything fresh and exciting and don't let it get stagnant. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of which, I mean, what's, what are some of the things that are working really well for you guys today, as far as, you know, the business growing things, getting people in, you know, what are some things that are working well for you? The weather has been really great for us because it's completely sucked. <laughs> you know, we've had so much freaking weather this year. It's the spring is just keep going on forever. I mean, we don't have yeah. spring yet. It's we're, yeah. We just had two inches of ground. It's snow on the ground this morning. Right. We're supposed to be golfing. So that oh, wow. part's been good. But for us, it's just top of mind awareness. So anywhere they can see. And it's funny because it's, you know, BPA stuff. Like I'm part of the, doing a lot of stuff for BPA now. And they use that keyword too, because it's just, they're just pushing bowling in general. Yeah. Top of mind awareness for me is just remember that Snake River Bowl and Pooter's Pizza exists yeah. in the community. So it's just little things that we can do throughout. I know we took another big leg up. When COVID hit and they closed us down for a couple months, it was before we got the remodel done, but we were in the process of doing it. Then COVID hit and kind of froze everything. So we stopped doing it. And then luckily interest rates plummeted. And so we're like, oh, we should definitely do it now. But um, yeah. anyway, so we went through and when COVID hit, we were like, we saw different businesses reaching out to first responders and doing those things. And it's like, we should definitely do something because A, they're, they're doing so much for communities and times of needs yeah. and and stuff and we also wanted to knowing that everybody was stuck at home was like we have to our delivery side of the business is obviously what we're going to rely on is delivery and carry out right because they can come in and get pizza but they can't bowl they can't play video games yeah. you know what i mean so it's really our huge facility is stuck behind this one little wall so i think that first month after covid and there's some videos on youtube but we went through, I think we gave out 600 pizzas over three months or 700 wow. pizzas yeah. different things. So we were doing like for every 10 pizzas we sold, we'd donate one. But the first mm -hmm. thing we went to like retirement homes and Walmart and any of those places and just said, how many people have work and we fed everybody there. And so Ooh, those were yeah. the only people who were still out working, right? Right. <clears throat> I didn't even really think about it, but all those people were like, we never thought about the bowling alley pizza outside of bowling. Right. Right? Yeah. And so that kind of snowballed and, you know, we've kind of tried to keep that as a value and stuff we Still do, do when we can give back. Yeah, we do it. And obviously not as much. We're not doing sure. 600 pieces in a two months, but yeah, you know, if we see something happen or some good news happens online or, or something, or we'll take over some pizzas probably once a year yeah, or something. That's a great idea. Yeah. Cause I mean, yeah, yeah, it's top of mind awareness. It's, you know, yeah, and it's not expensive for a pizza, you know, for no, plus, and, especially if you're making it, it. Yeah, and it makes and our employees were it makes your employees feel good about doing something, right? Right. Yeah, bigger vision. COVID, everybody was so down and distraught. You're not seeing anybody all day. You're back there yeah. making because the computer tells you to. Right. And you're walking them out to a car, you're not even touching them, you're sitting them on their hood <laughs> of their car. Right. You know, and you're walking back in and you're like, What the hell is this? Life yeah. sucks, right? And so right. For them to get a little bit of that interaction, even though you might be in yeah. a face mask and have sure. sunglasses on and <laughs> you're wearing rubber gloves and you're dropping it off in the lobby of the yeah. hospital, at least you saw somebody come out and pick it up and wave at you or, yeah, you know, they give, they'd give shout outs because they were all the hospitals and stuff were big on, they're not so much right now, but they were active on social media because it was a way they could outreach to people and tell them what was going right. on. 
and so you know we we got a lot of stuff as far as that goes as well it's really cool yeah and get your name out there you know in a good good, light you know and that wasn't Mm -hmm. the purpose of it um but it was just kind of a good bystander from it honestly a lot of it was i want to get the word out but it was like we have to do something right right the only people that are working everybody else is living off the government's dime yeah and i'm trying to keep people the ones that want to work still working you know It, it worked out it turned out you know looking back you know i think a lot of people can say it is COVID is probably the best thing that ever happened to the bowling business, yeah. which is not good to stay. Yeah. You know, it was, it's a disease and, you know, it's always somewhere in the middle when, depending on what side of the debate you're on, but, you right. know, we've lost family members to it, just like everybody else did when it first came out. Yeah. It's definitely a real thing, but it's, you know, looking back at it and stuff, it's, you just kind of roll with the punches and make the best of whatever situation you're in. Yeah. Yeah. It's a survivorship bias too. So, you know, the people who didn't, the businesses that didn't last through the tough times, the, they go under and those people still need to eat, you know, it's, and it's more people to less businesses. Yep. Correct. One thing I wanted to cover, we, we talked a little bit about this, but I wanted to cover it is the passing of the generation. So, you know, you purchased the business from your dad and it sounds like you did it, you know, a little bit differently than what some other people do. I was wondering if you could touch on that a little bit. Yeah. So I know some people, the, I wanted free reign and it was kind of important for me. And my dad's always been good. Like even before that we were getting, I was getting a little bit of ownership of the business, even though when mm-hmm. it came time to buy it, I basically bought the whole business anyway. So that it was just a piece of paper that made me feel good about working there, yeah. which is no spite on anybody. It's just the reality of what it was. Right. But I wanted to be able to make decisions I wanted to make. And luckily we had made a few other decisions that had made it with me and my wife, where the bank would take the loans that were in his name and type and assign them to me. Okay. Um, so I don't know if that's a hundred percent, you know, all of it. And then the rest after taking over the loans, then obviously whatever the assessment on the business was, I purchased from my father and he was, and it was more like, how do you keep making money? You know, obviously for a while, cause he was, I think he was 50 at the time or 52 at the time. And he was just kind of burnt out. Like a lot of people are and not wanting to, you know, getting grumpy and other things, which you can't do in our business. Unfortunately, right. sometimes you want to be. And so him taking the, carrying the loan, A, he'll have invested interest. So if something goes wrong, you can take it back over. Yeah. But then he can get interest from that. So he's not paying all that big capital punishment. Yeah. Up front, paying that big tax bill. I like that term. Uh, so it's like whatever the amount was, you know, he gets paid a percentage, like interest that he gets, that he can put in his pocket. Right. As well. So it makes that number, even though maybe it's a little smaller on the top line. If you look at what you would have paid the government and then, but instead you're paying him interest and then you put, like on it when we were doing it and I told him, I'm glad I did it, but I was like, you need to make sure there's wording in there that I can't pay you off before 15 years, you know, mm. or something because yeah. you have to get those interest payments to make it make sense. Right. When right. you're using it for retirement. So there's a few little caveats in there like that, but so he's getting payments, you know, and he gets to carry the loan and getting those percentages and, but I have hundred percent control of the business and it, you know, and some people probably have problems letting go and kind of letting their yeah. sons run with it. I'd like to say, you know, maybe he saw something in the time I'd spent with him over the last 15 years before that working there, but it's probably just tired of dealing with people. 
I think if you look at him, he probably thinks it's worked out better, you know, for the I'll best. Say, yeah, right. You know, it's obviously worked out really well for us just because of what we've been able to do with the and multiplying, you know, everything's gross numbers, you know, when I, when I speak, but taking our baseline and moving it up, you know, 4X, 5X in seven years has been. Yeah. A, you said you've never had a down month, I think, or something like that, like month or had month. one down month. One month. Since we've yeah. Been, and That's incredible. Actually two, sorry. So there's one. And then the, obviously the first month that COVID hit, but yeah. we were the second month and our sales were up because a, it was May and yeah. so there's so month in the facility, but we sold so much freaking pizza that it more than offset all the rest of that stuff. And then right. once we opened, it was just gangbusters. And so that even that year where we were closed for, I think we were closed for seven weeks. I think that's what our actual timeline was for the bowling and the games. And then we were open. We could only do 50% you know, so we're using every other land like everybody was. The arcade didn't even, we couldn't even open the arcade till about September. We still did more gross revenue that year than we did the year before. Wow. Yeah. And so that was pretty tremendous. And then the following year, we did the remodel, obviously. And then that right. times that by two. And yeah. And we're up another 30% last year and we'll keep moving the right direction. So yeah, you guys do some crazy numbers for, yeah. for the size of your area. Yeah. And it's, and that's, I mean, we're blessed, you know, and a lot of it's, I mean, it's just basically we have another business inside of our walls, you know, or right. it's a restaurant. Like we're, when you're doing more than half the revenue in food and beverage, you know, but even saying that if it was on its own, it wouldn't be doing the same numbers it's doing now. Yeah. Right? So, right. It's because together. bowling is a huge part of it's a draw. It makes people come in and sit down and eat and stuff, you know, and there, but we're about 90, like as far as open play, we're 95, 90, over 90% conversion where they buy pizza, which wow. is I'm, yeah, incredible. I'm yeah, yeah, which is crazy, yeah. but that's how it is. I yeah. mean, they- But that feeds you a normal pizza shop. They eat dinner. Yeah, I mean, a normal pizza weird. shop wouldn't have all those customers being fed through the bowling no. side. We really well, work hand in hand. Yeah, so it's like anything else, right? So that's like when people put in different attractions. So I like to say we have, you know, we have bowling as an attraction, we have an arcade as an attraction, we have pizza as an attraction. Yeah. Right. Some people have bowling, laser tag, and, you know, these other things. And we don't have the space to do a laser tag, or we don't have the space to do miniature golf or go-karts. I would love to. We don't have the space for it. We're kind of landlocked where we're at. So inside of our four walls, you know, what are, what's the things that can make the biggest impact with the square mm -hmm. footage? That right. was, A, we have a big kitchen because we got this big old oven from Domino's. And so how do we make that tick and, you know, mm -hmm. go from there? And I'll be honest with you, there's times we don't, even with that double decker oven on Saturdays and stuff, we can't keep up. Wow. We can, yeah. Which is great, <laughs> you know, but it's, you know, and they call for carry out or delivery and it's, it's going to be an hour and a half and yeah. we're getting, we're starting <laughs> having growing pains that way too, because you don't ever want to tell somebody it's going to be that long because right. somebody has a bad experience, even if they're just carrying out a pizza or calling it in. Just like they come into bowl, you know, if right. your machines are operating, right? If your pizza is yeah. not operating in a timely manner, who knows if you're ever going to get them back. So, right, yeah, we have different, it's always a pain. It was a pain that not enough business, not to we're trying yeah. to do everything, in, right? Right. But yeah, you got to look for good. another, the next Domino's to go out of business and scoop up that oven. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we'll ever see that again. Yeah. Uh, they're paying too. I think they're doing they've just fine. Now. Well. Yeah. They've they're really doing, turned they're doing around. very well. They figured out that. You know, sometimes you just don't want the cheapest thing on market. You know, you need yeah. quality to go with it. Yeah. That was their big thing when they did the rebranding is they actually fix the quality of their food. Right. Um, still not and great. And then the online ordering, they did well too. Compared to 
other stuff, you know, I think they've done a good job. Yeah. 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 So I want to be respectful of your time. I know we're coming up to the top of the hour here. I like to finish with a little bit about where you see things going for like the next 12 months or so. So where you see, you know, not just your center, but maybe the industry in general, where do you see things going for bowling? You know, being part of the BPA board, you see so many different perspectives. And I think that's a, the best thing about being active in those type of things is with people that are as a, they're either, a lot of them are probably more successful than I am. Yeah. They're successful in their businesses and just surrounding yourself with peers and hearing other stories about what you have going on. And you just get so many ideas. But I think everybody that I've talked to kind of has the same concern as how do we keep going, right? How do we keep growing or how do we even, you know, you hate to say, how do we keep what we have? Because right. our business has definitely changed over the last year and a half. And ours has changed in other ways too. But I think everybody's business as far as people want to get out and socialize and yeah. And being part of a family and doing things together. I mean, that's something, an experiential thing is what we have. And I think the biggest thing is to keep our top of mind going and keep them know doing things the right way and offering a product that keeps people out and moving and interested in doing things together in a spot where they can come in and bond and recreate and do things. Mm -hmm. We're lucky we're in an industry that is, you know, it's more expensive than it used to be. And it should be, if it's not, you're not charging enough money. Yeah. The fact that it's close to home and it's not something you travel to go and do your customers are within a, a radius of your center. They're not traveling right. to you. Some do, but most of them are in a radius of your center. And so the first thing that goes when the market gets tight is they start cutting travel, which yes. is away from your facility. Right. And they start cutting those other things. And so you become a place of now, when right. they come in, they might be like, oh, I'm going to bowl and I'm going to eat, but I might not go play games or I might not go do some of those other things. Yeah. So drink. you have to be effective. And then that's where I think packaging comes into play. But I just, it's just always keeping an eye. I see it as far as we go in our community, we keep growing. We're a big agriculture community for us and people are always going to need to eat. So the next 12 months look really good. Yeah. But it can turn on a dime, right? They can yeah. end the war in Russia and then all the food commodity prices go crashing down because right. all of a sudden there's all grain on the market. You know, I mean, there's yeah. a million things that can do, you know, that can change everything that's going on for us, just like anybody else's communities. But I think all you can do is be prepared for that when it does come, because sooner or later it will come. Something will happen. Yeah. And then until then, you just, you keep pushing and try to do the best you can and hopefully add money to some coffers. So when it comes around, you're ready to go. But I think we're in about the best business there is right now to be in. I really do. Yeah, it's hard to keep going. You know, when a lot of people are having record years, it's like you said, how do we keep it going? You know, how do we take yeah. the last year kind of thing? How do we keep going? How do I do this? You know, what expansions are necessary? You know, and I think people were afraid, you know, in, in tough times to reinvest in their businesses. I think that's something that I was able to do is compartmentalize it and go, what do I need to go to move forward? Yeah. So... You know, and maybe I was lucky and was a little bit of a risk taker and doing that when on all those uncertain times. But a lot of times when things aren't good is a good time to be doing stuff. And then when things are good is a good right. time to be collecting, right? Because yeah. it's hard to do those other things when you're at capacity or you're doing them. Hey, don't be afraid to make changes. Don't be afraid to be different, you know? And that's kind of what we try to do is we don't want to be like every other bowling facility or recreational facility around our area, mm -hmm. you know, but. We just try to do the best we can and give them the good experiences and 
hopefully they stick around and do what they're supposed to do. Yeah, it, it seems like your differentiator is, you know, quality. You know, you guys yeah. you stand out by just going to the, the next level on each thing that you guys do. Yeah, we try to have different experience. I know when people come in, they're like, how do you have so many employees walking around? You know, but it's, I hate seeing lines. I hate seeing people right. wait, you know, right. and employees that are stretched thin are unhappy employees. Right. You know, and so it's, if I need a high school kid to just run food out or wipe out, you know what I mean? It's, we'll do it. We're going to plug them in. Yeah. You know, so it's, can't be afraid, you know? I mean, there's times when you got to tighten your belts, but right. we're at a time right now where it's like just the quicker and the more service I can offer and the better service I can offer equals the more dollars. And there might be a time when it switches again, where it's, you know, I think I remember my dad came back. I remember this. It, it was probably 08 or something. The easiest way to save money is to cut labor expenses. And that kind of, back then it was like, okay, so we're going to stretch everybody even thinner. And, you know, and I think I kind of look at it and go, the easiest way to make money is to make your life and make everybody else's life simple. And so if it's somebody to do something, somebody to do, you know, and there's certain positions in the building that don't require, you know, super skilled people. So taking advantage of different things you can do there, if it's through the labor and having a person with a disability run your, run your prize counter, you know, yeah, have an autistic kid that loves all the little trinkets and toys and can sit there and talk to the kids about how cool the color of the bouncy ball is and all this right. other stuff. You know what I mean? Like, Win that's win. great that's a great yeah. job for them, right right and so anything that we can benefit that way you know as well and plus it helps our community you know right. so there's just a million things you can do and just got to think outside the box and don't be afraid to do it and you know that and if you're a little overstaffed and somebody calls in sick guess what you'll survive right if you're not constantly calling somebody to go hey i need coverage for this or yeah you know or if you have some single mothers that work for you and which I have a few of those and kids get sick and that kind of stuff happens. And you have to have the flexibility. You just have to. You just let and go. So having a scheduled in flexibility is not necessarily a bad thing because not the one and they're covering it every single night. Right. You yeah. Know? And then you end up keeping those employees longer because they don't burn out. You know, they don't burn out. And they can, if yeah. they need time off, you can give them time off or, right. you know. Yeah. Cause so. retention's very, or turnover is very expensive. You know, there's yeah. not like a line item in your PL. But retraining yeah. those people and getting new people up to speed is super expensive. Yeah. So anything you can do to keep your current people is super profitable. Exactly. And that's why if you, I don't know if you noticed the BPA, this is a BPA shout out, but through their online courses and classes. So if you're listening, if you, your people take it, BPA will pay your people $10 a class they finish. They'll pay you. Yeah. yeah. So, so if right now, if you have people in your, that are working for you and they're taking the classes, you get $10 per class they finish back. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So if they go in there and say you have five people and they take four classes each, that's 200 bucks that you get that you can either use, you know, if you want to, I would hope you would give it back to your employees, rewarding yeah. them to do testing, but you right. can do different employee stuff. I mean, you can, it just goes back to you to do whatever you want with it. Yeah. Uh, it's something that when our last meetings, they kind of came up with in the education committee level. And we're like, how do we reward how do we get people, you know, their stuff back and try to get into his education and what's good for right. their businesses? And that's what they did. So that's a cool thing. It, you do have to call in. If you call in and talk to Bart or Kelly, they'll sign you up. But yeah, you can get on and 
those education courses online that most states already pay for. So there's no cost to you. Right. It's $10 per class that your people take. That'll go back to you. So that's, yeah, that's kind of super cool. Yeah. You could do like a party or something like that after they hit a certain amount. Yeah. After they take 20 courses, you know, go feed them steak. Mm -hmm. or I don't know. I mean, there's a hundred things you can do with it, you know, and you yeah. can use it how to do it, but it's good. I mean, we're getting to, we're finally, I would hope, I don't hope. I expect at some point summer will show up and we'll start to slow down a little bit. So I have some plans in the works so that they, some of those hours that they maybe be cut back, that they can do a little bit of education stuff. Right. On the, one, on the employees that I want to stick around and want to develop. Right. Yeah. Some of the other ones, that might not be an option for them. Right. I, yeah. So. yeah. That's something we do too for, with our company is I tell them you can spend 10% of your time learning and getting better because it's just going to pay back, you know, over yeah. time. And this time it will actually pay back. Right. Yeah. Literally. You know, yeah. $10 yeah. per class, you know, and some of those classes take 20 minutes. Right. You know, so, so what, so people just call Bart or Kelly for that or how do people yeah, get access talk to that? The BPA and then they'll have to do a thing and then they'll send you a link and basically it'll track everything you'll have. And cool. it makes it, you know, once you get it set up, it's not too bad. Yeah. It's just the process of it, but it's a five minute phone call and yeah. Yeah. But that's it's an awesome program. It's kind of a cool thing that BPA Nationals done. So. Yeah. Very cool. Awesome. Justin, well, I know you're a busy guy. You got, I'm sure plenty of other things to do. This has been really fun. I've enjoyed it. We could talk, you know, all day long, I'm sure, but thanks yeah. again for coming on. This has been fun. Yeah. No problem. Thanks you guys. Yeah. yeah. I'll right, talk man. to you see soon. You all right. Bye.